everyone, Sarah Brown Wessling here from the Council of Chief State School Officers National Teacher of the Year program. I'm excited to introduce Voices from the Classroom, the State Teacher of the Year podcast. I was named National Teacher of the Year in 2010, and since then, I've been committed to sharing the stories and elevating the voices of the State Teachers of the Year. It is my hope that this podcast will give you insight into the incredible work they do. In these episodes, the 2020 State Teachers of the Year are navigating responding to two radical changes in our society, the COVID-19 pandemic and the heightened awareness of institutionalized racism. Through this first series, my first lesson of the year, we hope to capture the true essence of the return to school from an educator's perspective. You can join the conversation on social media by using the hashtag, hashtag ntoy20 or visiting us online at ntoy.org. That's N-T-O-Y dot O-R-G. This is Carolyn Fennessy, Press Secretary at the Council of Chief State School Officers. Welcome, Kimberly, and thank you for joining me for this conversation today. Let's jump right in. Could you please introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Kimberly Dixine Hughes, and I'm the 2020 New Jersey State Teacher of the Year. I teach English Language Arts at Haddonfield Memorial High School in Haddonfield, New Jersey. Great. Um, could you tell me about one of your first lessons this year, what your students did and, and how you, you managed that this year? So my school is on a hybrid model, which means half of the school reports Monday, Tuesday, and then the other half is live streaming in. Wednesday, we are home from school on a full synchronous virtual day. And then on Thursday and Friday, the schedule flips and the second cohort that was virtual and live streaming Monday, Tuesday reports in school and the other cohort is live streaming in. So that's important for you to know to contextualize the lesson of the year. So, uh, or one of my first lessons of the year, excuse me. Um, I don't think this will be the lesson of the year, but it might be indicative of some of them. So I teach grade 10 world literature at my school and our focus of the year of the year is on not only how to be a global citizen but how to act as a global citizen so one of our first conversations and discussions is around global citizenship and this is one of my favorite discussions it's really early in the school year it's, it's pretty raw and the students are really new to these discussions about identity and really this concept of advocacy and activism from the classroom. And I always get super jazzed. I love this work. And for me, it's the first time my students and I experience some aha moments together really early on. So the relationships just automatically uh, form pretty quickly. So I was excited to have that conversation again, but knew it would be different because my class was separated in a class of 25. You know, you would have at home and half in front of me. So what I decided to do was I grouped my students in class with students at home so that I can engage my students at home so that they felt part of the community. So they were in cohorts of five students, 
and there were five groups and using Google Docs, I had put the questions around global citizenship in the Google Doc and usually these are questions I would prompt in person or we would use post-it notes around the room and have a lot of physicality and movement to this discussion. But this year they were all seated at their desks with their headphones in on a separate Google Meet using the Google Doc to have these aha moments. And this is how we led this discussion. Um, and I think that I'll, I'll stop there because that's, that's the lesson, that's the discussion, um, and I can follow up with more questions. Yeah. Um, was how they dis described global citizenship this year different than how they've described it in past years? Yeah, great question. So one, as I explained, the lesson was different and their description was different because we framed it in that we are the first group and really um, class of students that has lived through a global pandemic and can answer this question, right? So this sense of urgency was something that they felt um, immediately. But the one thing that I, I didn't say that I think is unique to how different this lesson is, is that oftentimes I really feel at the center of this lesson and I'm really guiding my students um, to move in a certain direction or have these certain realizations um, and connecting it to our book. But what was so different this year was that my students were just in their seats with their headphones, talking to their friends at home, working in the Google Doc, and I couldn't hear these conversations. And my classroom was so quiet. And I do not teach in a quiet classroom. And for me, it was heart-wrenching because I felt so lonely and I'm watching my students in these groups and I'm popping in and out of the Google Meets and my audio on my desktop isn't so great. And, and so I'm trying to make it work. And the only thing I can see happening is the Google Doc, like up, uh, uploading all the content. I have to keep refreshing and I start seeing these like really beautiful gems of understanding global, global citizenship. And that was really special because it was all I had and all I had was the written word. And usually it's, it's something that we experience verbally. And I had to, to lean into another way of experiencing that conversation and, and letting my students know that they could do this on their own because usually I am really the center of guiding it. At least this conversation happens on the second day of school, right? So that was something that was very different. Um, and, and so are the responses uh, because, right, like I said, global pandemic, but also there's been so much social unrest that they're feeling at home that they could start accessing social unrest across the world. Um, so Definitely different than how I usually begin my year, um, but I definitely think it was valuable. Yeah, it's interesting that this lesson that you've done for some number of years, it sounds like, um, was different not only in sort of the method of how you had to set it up with the kids in the different places, but also the content for the kids that came out of it then. Yeah, absolutely, right? I think the content for them was really well-developed. They had to process it in writing. And also like I could hear my students in class typing for the students at home. And I just hearing like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
I was like, what are they saying? I so desperately want to know what they're saying. But what I learned was that pretty early on in this new mode of learning, that we have to give our students autonomy and trust that they are still going to learn and grow in a different way. And that's okay. It's not going to be the same as I've taught uh, this text for now, oh my, seven years or so that I've been teaching world literature in this course. I've been teaching for 12 years now. And that's okay, it's going to be different and we all have to be flexible and accountable for these changes. So we're all learning a lot and even though uh, it's different, it's not right or wrong, it's just different. Mm -hmm. How do you think having you kind of state, take a step back from the process affected the decisions? Like were they more honest with each other? Were there some that were like more quiet that, you know, maybe you would have pulled more out of had you been in, in the usual environment? Yeah, that's, so I suppose that's a question I can't totally honestly answer because I couldn't hear all of the conversations, right? <laughs> uh, but what's interesting is that uh, I leaned into one student who didn't have headphones, so she moved into another room, and I just, I just asked her, I was like, how's it going? And she's like, I really like this. And, and I asked her why, and she's like, because I feel like my, my friends at home aren't alone. They're part of the class. And, and I know that when she is at home, she'll appreciate still being part of the class. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to lose that classroom community just because we aren't all physically together. I think you have to be creative about what community looks and feels like. So if it's group work, you know, virtually and at home. And if that means that I don't personally get to experience some of those little joys anymore, that's okay because I have faith that this is the best possible way given the circumstance. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's something like just that sort of, not even the social emotional learning, just the ephemera of being in the classroom all together, having those discussions, you know, yelling, maybe it gets a little rowdy, but you're jazzed about the ideas. Yeah, that that, you know, has to, has to be lost a little bit. Yeah, like I said, like A209, that's my classroom, is one of my favorite places on the planet, just because so much magic happens in that place. And I think it's a launching pad for many students. And it is a, it's a rowdy place. It's, a, it's really noisy. I love it. Um, and it's been so quiet, even though we're back. But again, you know, it's an adjustment. And, and I think also a lot of good and a lot of processing will happen in this, in this new quiet space. Um, and who knows, maybe, maybe these groups will find their voice and maybe we'll just take, we'll throw our headphones to the wind and everybody will be loud on their Chromebooks um, mm -hmm. and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sort of pandemic and, and social unrest from this year aside, were there any new ideas that they came up with that you haven't heard in past years? Hmm. You know, truthfully, now that you put the pandemic aside, no, 
and and I I'm actually content with that in that um, I think our our youth are very aware no matter what's happening of their abilities. What I will say is if you didn't put pandemic and social unrest aside, I would say that given the social arrest, social unrest and the pandemic, I think my students were much quicker to say that, you know, um, inertia and, and inactivity and silence is unacceptable. And they were really quick to that, right? Like, like we can do things. We can turn to our Insta stories. We can, we can post, we can write letters, we can, we can make a donation, we can wear a t-shirt. And they were really quick to that. So I suppose that is different. And, and I think that uh, that confidence was there that I don't think I've always seen in the past um, and that urgency. So I can't put the pandemic and, and social unrest inside because um, I think that did really spark some great conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, so you've touched a little bit on this, but what did you learn about teaching or your students or yourself um, in this lesson? I think I learned, like I said, that you know, if you give your students autonomy and have faith in that, that the learning will continue. I learned that I'm become uh, that I'm more patient with myself than ever before. And I think in the beginning of this experience, I was experienced, I was feeling a lot of frustration with the technology and uh, the expectations. And now I'm just learning to accept what I'm in and how I'm doing it and do my best and be patient with that. So I'm learning how to be patient with the experience and not to judge it against last year's lesson or how I imagine it to be and let every day be anew. Like, I think that's really important in this environment is to begin every day anew um, and, and take deep dives into things that are worthwhile and, and also lean into what you do well, right? Uh, so I'm just trying to balance that. So for instance, uh, I'm learning a lot of these platforms, but I'm feeling overwhelmed by everything that's out there, right? Every, every platform under the sun offered a free subscription when we moved to remote learning. And so there was so much happening. But what I realized that is most important to me is relationship building with my students. So something easily that I did was like, I've set up meetups during my virtual office hours and my seniors can sign up um, two to three students at a time for a meetup and they get credit for it just to show up. And just, we have conversations around some of the topics that we're discussing in class, but also just real life so I can get to know them. So I'm, I'm not sending out a student survey. I'm not trying to force an icebreaker that I did in classroom online. I'm simply talking to my students as human beings and asking how are you and genuinely trying to find an answer. And that's working for me. <laughs> and so, Great. so, so far, so good. I'm only two weeks in, but so far, so good. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, I think just as this continues and evolves, we all just have to try and be patient with ourselves because one day is not going to look like the day before or the week before. 
for the day after. So yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, thank you, Kim, very much um, for being part of this interview. It was wonderful to have you and good luck with your students this year. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the first series of Voices from the Classroom, the State Teacher of the Year podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Council of Chief State School Officers National Teacher of the Year program. It's our honor to elevate the voices of educators across the country and provide them with a national platform to amplify their message and advocate on behalf of their students and colleagues. Please share these lessons on social media with the hashtag NTOY20. That's hashtag N-T-O-Y-2-0. Let's keep the conversation going.